Okay, hey guys, welcome to Consume, podcast by me, Bern Olivier, where I talk about all the things I consume, and I no longer have a framework, or a, it's not a daily diary anymore, and I'm still adjusting to that, this feels weird, I feel weird recording, uh, right now. Last week was a real, uh, slog to record and edit, since I, <laughs> I did it all in, uh, one go. I'm hoping this week feels, uh, easier since I'm not doing the whole trying to do the useless recap thing. But whatever, so this week, no real big updates in life for you guys. Uh, did pretty much the same thing I do every week. I applied to some jobs. Uh, still stressed out about money. I have to pay rent soon. I'm worried about that. Because we didn't get that, like, COVID-19 uh, rent relief money to, like, last us three months. But uh, that that's already done with... Anyways, I guess, I guess just get right to the fucking consuming. Uh, let's see. For food consumption, <laughs> actual, there's nothing, like, too special, uh, this week. I did get, for the first time, uh, you know those bags of, like, Cajun beans that are for some reason in, like, the ethnic section of the, uh, the, uh, grocery store? They were on sale for, like, half off. It's, like, a $4 bag of, like, red beans and Cajun spices. Uh, so I got that for the first time. Threw some impossible meat in it. It's pretty good. It makes way too much in one batch, though. I've been, like, because Dexter never eats the food that I make, or, like, we, we do all of our meals completely separate. So I've just been living off of that for, like, the past four days, and there's still, like, a good amount left. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty good. Oh, also, I went to Walmart at one point this week, uh, and I found the Little Debbie's chocolate, or not chocolate, Christmas tree ice cream, uh, like, you know, like the Christmas tree ice, uh, cakes, and like the little pints of ice cream, so I got me and Dexter each a pint of that, and it's, uh, fucking great, the, uh, it just really hits, like, the cake bites really hit, really, the real star of the show is, like, those little, like, sprinkles that, that are on them, uh, the, like, texture of those sprinkles and the ice cream is really good. Yeah, they should do that, like, all year round. Um, I also got the new Ultimate Chocolate Oreos. They're, like, the new Oreos that have, like, three layers of, of cream in there. Like, there are, like, three different types of chocolate in the layers. Uh, I don't really know. It doesn't really make any difference that there are three different types of chocolate. It all just tastes the same, and it's good. They're good Oreos. Oh, another, I guess, speaking of food and consumption, I think I might have an ulcer. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. I've been feeling uh like some weird pains in my stomach and some other uh signs. I don't know. It did kind of scare me into like trying to eat better and like taking some supplements. So well uh, probably things I should have been doing anyways. So I don't know. I just need to change a lot about my eating habits in general. I am gonna try and go like as close to full vegan as I can. I know I just talked about housing a fucking pint of ice cream. <laughs> But uh, I've been having too much cheese and stuff lately, so I think I'm going to try and slow down on that. Uh, but anyways, uh, enough about that. Now, move on to the book section. I still feel weird about talking about the books, because I don't know how much uh, anyone cares. But also, who cares? Uh, books. What I read this week. I should keep, like, stats. Because it was easy to do last year, because I kept, like, that twitter thread of all the movies so i could like keep up with the numbers you know but now i'm trying to be a little more loosey-goosey with it i can't like i've just been going by the date that i have stuff logged but i should maybe keep like a tally or a spreadsheet or something i don't know according to goodreads i've already read uh 61 books this year and let's see in the past week i read i finally i caught up on that a bride story manga uh 
which is really good. It's fucking, I like can't recommend it enough. It's just such a nice story. Uh, and I like how much research that Kaurumari has put into the whole thing and like trying to accurately like portray like how they lived and like their textiles and like <laughs> their baking and how they take care of the livestock. It's just all very interesting because it's like not an area of history that I've ever really thought about or like haven't seen in media too much. And she's also really good at like introducing these characters and making you care for them. And she'll do like this thing where she like starts out with this family and like she'll follow like a journey like people like going on a trip and introduce like them like meeting a side character and then they'll just she'll just make the whole volume about that side character and like at first you're kind of like well i wanted to know what was going to happen with with these people but then like you're falling you like instantly fall in love with all these other characters too uh and it's just great yeah it's just a bunch of characters that you just want to be happy uh i've i've caught up to the 12th volume now which is the last one really like i think 13th volume comes out in march and this whole last volume was pretty much just people hanging out they're just like showing what everybody does on a day when they're bored which is my favorite thing <laughs> in in media like give me just enough uh to like be become attached to a character uh or a group of characters and then just show me them hanging out and having a nice time that's like all like i want every tv show to have like maybe a season of two of drama and like stakes to make you care and then just do a whole fucking season of them hanging out i would love that i think i'm like the only one <laughs> so they'll they'll never do it but it was nice like in this instance to get like a whole book of people just chilling it was, it was very nice and so yeah I'm really looking forward to the 13th volume to come out. And I also read the third book in the Delilah Dirk series, Delilah Dirk and the Pillars of Hercules. Uh, and this is another kind of like young adult-ish uh, book. This is by Tony Cliff, who's a Canadian uh, comic book maker. Um, uh, and it's a really fun little series. It kind of is around the same time frame as A Bride Story, actually. But we're focused on Delilah Dirk, and she's like a uh, kind of whimsical take on like this... Uh, english noblewoman who like is part greek i think and she like travels around the mediterranean she's like become this adventurer and like swordsman and uh does all kinds of cool shit she has like a little boat that flies because it has like two side sails that come out the uh side so there's like a little hints of uh fantastical stuff in this one and this volume was cool the last i think i liked the last one better because it was more about like her character and like the character building of it it was like a more down-to-earth story and then this one the pillars of hercules like her and her uh travel companion mr salim who's also a great character he's like our narrator through the story uh they like learn about the third pillar of hercules which is some like hidden city that they have to go out and like find clues at different sites to find and then they you know find it and they have to deal with the fallout of that and everybody learning that there's a new city uh and it's cool it's a good time um them finding like a underground city made me realize that they should make like an uncharted style game for this i think it'd be really cool uh it would really work for that so yeah Delilah Dirk Pillars Hercules it's a four-star book I realized I didn't give a rating to Bride's Story uh that whole series I gave most of them five stars they're they're like floating between five and four but like overall five stars it's a great great time and then I read uh Harley Quinn Breaking Glass uh and this is something I've read this before uh this is more like young adult like single self-contained story and this is like a version of Harley Quinn who's like in high school and she ends up like dealing with and like Ivy and Joker and Bruce are all like other students at this high school. You know, uh, it's just a good, it's a good, really good take on the character. Uh, Mariko Tamaki's voice 
for Harley is really good. And Steve Pugh, his art is just fantastic. It's like realistic without uh feeling traced or lifeless like a lot of like super realistic comic artists can be uh everything still feels like very alive yeah it's a good solid read it's like most realistic the ending gets a little like uh, a little implausible like for the rest of the story and it's i'm also just kind of frustrated with the ending because it's like i know i'm not going to get more of this harley <laughs> really since it's not like a main storyline uh main universe thing uh but like it's a great book um, I would I would have given it 4.5 if Goodreads would let you, but I gave it five stars on Goodreads. And then I also happened to read this wasn't even planned. I read uh, Mariko Tamaki the first version, first volume of her uh, She Hulk run, which I think this is from like 2016 or so. Uh, and it wasn't bad. It's just this isn't like a version of She Hulk that I'm used to. This like 2016 era of Marvel is like kind of a blind spot for me it's like right in between like areas where i stopped reading comics every day and then whenever i started up again so this is like uh right after the civil war 2 story that i didn't read and i don't really care to it doesn't sound like it was a good time for marvel and in civil war 2 uh bruce banner uh the whole gets assassinated by hawkeye <laughs> spoilers um and i guess this book is after it and it's jen walters she hulk like reeling from like the trauma of her cousin getting killed and i guess something else that happened and so i don't know i'm just not used to like a this like shell-shocked uh unsure of herself version of jen walters uh you know so it's like it's a good comic it's just not what i want from the character you know so three stars and then i read the neil gaiman uh run on miracle man which i think this is from like the late 80s uh I mostly read it because, like, in one of the fucking Marvel event books that are coming out right now, the, like, last page reveals that Miracle Man is, like, coming back to the Marvel Universe. And I've it's a character I've never read. I know it's had, like, a big, like, there's, like, a seminal run done by Alan Moore that, like, is very, like, highly acclaimed. And so, and, I, and then Neil Gaiman, this comes, like, I think pretty much right after the Alan Moore run. I could be wrong. It's, like, relatively soon after. And I just didn't get it. I should have read the Alan Moore first, but the, this is the only one that the library had. So it's, like, just short stories in this, like, Miracle Man world that I'm not familiar with and, like, this whole mythology I don't know. And it kind of just feels like, it almost feels like Grant Morrison light, you know? Like, it's that same kind of late 80s early 90s vibe that you get from uh grant morrison stories of the same time uh so whatever i don't know i do need to go back and find the alan moore ones and we'll see what the fuck marvel is going to do with miracle man this year in the books whatever three stars and then i also read uh ptsd by i'm gonna i don't know how to say this dude's name fucking guillaume singelin singelin it's uh french french name uh but this book is amazing it's one of, it's like such a good little comic five stars and it's like this kind of like almost like studio ghibli like anime-ish kind of world everyone looks kind of like chibi and cute but like when he also like has like an edge to it because it is like kind of an adult story about uh about ptsd and like being a soldier and like community and like what uh community how community can like help people and how it can help each other and how like war can like really messy everyone up i don't know it's just a beautiful book both like story-wise and art-wise and like everything feels like pretty like simple and like smooth like visually in it but is like deceptively complex it's kind of like mike mignola in that sense um because like usually and when i'm reading comics i just kind of blow through them 
but like all of this guy's panels like make me want to like slow down and like appreciate everything that's happening in them like the only demerit i would give this book is that like it's in the like small like young adult format which is good it's nice and it fits the vibe of the story but i wish it was like an oversized edition so i could like really look at all the details in the art yeah and then it's just the story is just nice like a message of like you know combating like our like the separation and stress of modern society and how we can like fix that with like community and helping each other which i feel is pretty relevant right now also uh he uses one of the characters to like touch on something that uh, I've thought a lot about. I think it's just because I've had arguments, not even with a lot of people, just a few people about like a truly selfless act and how if you're doing something good, if it makes you feel good, is it truly selfless or is it like worth doing, you know, or like does it count as a good act rather? And I think it does. I know some people get like weird about that and like, but like, I think it's just like a weird mental extrapolation of the whole, like why sex feels good. It's like our body wants us to procreate, so sex feels good. And this is just like a larger form of like the human species. Like in order to survive, we all need to help each other. And so that's why helping someone feels good, or at least it should, you know? I don't know. I, I just had like one argument with that with someone who felt very strongly in the other direction. And I, I'm, I still get frustrated thinking about that argument. And that's why I'm talking about it now when nobody can argue <laughs> with me anyways that's the last of like the books i've read i'll do a little lightning round of the single issue comics i read i feel bad all of a sudden talking about books and stuff in this i don't know how interesting this is to people especially like after a year of conditioning you to like listen to me talk about uh movies but we'll get to the movies in a minute so yeah single issue comics uh marauders 27 uh this is pretty good. This is the last of the Marauders series, which I'm kind of glad about, so I can drop it off my fucking pull list and stop paying for it. Uh, but this has been pretty fun, you know, watching Kate Pride be like a, a pirate and try and find herself uh, in this new Krakoan society. Um, also, this uh, this issue has a fun bit where uh, Bobby Drake, Iceman, he had recently the X Men. The X Men world right now is like fucking ridiculous they just terraformed mars like like the x-men have an island nation called krakoa and they just used a bunch of their powers to terraform mars to make mars a mutant planet uh called arako <laughs> now and uh and iceman used his powers to like make ice caps for the planet and so in this like in order to like test himself and like the limits of his powers there's a scene of iceman he went to the fucking uh jotunheim and like is fighting frost giants just for fun and he's like beating the shit out of the ones that like thor has a trouble uh fighting which is pretty cool and daredevil woman without fear number one this is a tie-in to like the devil's reign story that's happening right now that i'll explain some other time maybe but this is about electra and because she's she's daredevil right now uh are one of the two <laughs> daredevils and it's just about where her psyche is at uh which is pretty cool and then there's a sweet last page reveal where we learn that in this miniseries she's going to be fighting craven the hunter who's hunting her for some reason so that's going to be fun pretty excited about that king conan number two this one's still pretty sweet conan fighting thulsa doom and then we show him like uh as a king with his son khan and like realizing he's not like being the father he wants to be and so he's like now banished his son to, like gone have adventures like he did uh so that's pretty cool art in this one is still really rad uh mahmoud asar is doing a really good job jason aaron's the writer i realize i'm not saying the creators but i whatever then we had king of spies number two and this uh this series is pretty cool it's a uh, mark millar who is like a uh 
he wrote Kick-Ass and a bunch of stuff people know. Um, and so this story is like basically if an older James Bond learns that he has six months to live, uh, what's he going to do in this it's not James Bond. This like spy decides he's just gonna start killing all the bad guys that he knows about from all his years of dealing with shady shit. Uh, and it, yeah, it's just pretty cool. Mateo Scalera is really good at this like action comic art style. Uh, and we also learn that this uh, Bond, Roland King, I think his name is, which is why you know King of Spies, Roland King. We learn that his son is also a spy, and now his son has been tasked with going out and killing his dad. Uh, and he seems to be okay with that, so this is going to be interesting. Also, this series does a good job of, like, really capturing that Bond feeling by, like, being, like, a real, realistic world. But everything's just slightly ridiculous, you know? Like, jetpacks working and like villains being like slightly over the top and then x-men uh number six this I, this run of x-men has been great uh jerry duggan is a great writer and uh pepe laraz is a really fun artist uh and this one it's like after the hickman stuff where hickman's like all his like main like x-men was just a lot of like real high-minded shit it's nice to like focus on the team again there's some stuff i don't really give a shit about like there's this whole thing about orcus which is like a coalition of humans who like want to kill mutants because they think it's like uh i don't think it's like religious they just think that humanity is superior you know typical x-men shit and like i said they uh the mutants like took over mars orcus has now took over one of mars moons and claimed it in the name of humanity so you know politics there so i don't really give a shit about but i do like this part the other side of the story where the x-men have like figured out how to use like how to resurrect people like they have like a whole team of like mutants that use their powers together and that like so they can resurrect mutants who have died and uh so now all mutants are just coming back and ben yurik who's like a who's like the investigative journalist of the marvel universe he uh he's like catching on and he wants to write a story about it uh, and Cyclops has been dealing with him, but Cyclops in one of his missions just died again, like publicly too. So he can't come back as Cyclops because of this. So instead he comes back with this new costume, it's like a green thing with like flowers on it. And he's now Captain Krakoa in public and he can't like use his regular powers. And you can tell that Scott's doesn't, Scott doesn't like this and he wants to like talk to Yurik about it. But then he tries to talk to Yurik about the story, but then he realizes that someone has mind wiped Ben Yurik. I don't know. I'm interested to see where it goes. Cyclops and Ben Yurik are two characters I really enjoy. So this is going to be fun. All right, that's it for the for our books so now we get into the movies uh still on my uh on my way to watch everything in the action boys uh playlist backlog uh my uh reaction boy chronicles um up to 37 movies uh for the year so far i've still been watching like two sometimes three a day uh yeah first up we got young guns from 1988, uh, with Emilio Estevez and Kiefer Sutherland and Lou Diamond Phillips and Charlie Sheen and Dermot Mulrooney and Casey uh, Sizey Masgo and Tara Stamp and Jack Palance and uh, yeah, it is fun. It's all right. Uh, definitely not my kind of western. It is funny by like how in trying to make this appeal to the young people of 1988 by like throwing in some modern music and using all these like fucking young hip actors. It just dates the movie even harder now. And then also like this is supposed to be the story of Billy the Kid, like Emilio Estevez playing Billy the Kid. So it does this weird thing of like trying to tell a, a true story and like being true to that story 
while like also modernizing and like making it fun so like it kind of doesn't really achieve either you know like they could have been like a little more sensational with it and like have more fun but i don't know there's some like fun like gunfights in this and some of the characters okay but ultimately not for me it's a three stars movie i think i have to maybe rethink my rating system if three if i end something saying not for me three stars because three stars is above average I mostly, if I like a movie, that's nothing special. I've been given it 3.5. I guess 3 works, because it's, because this isn't bad. It's just not great. Whatever. 3 stars. <laughs> uh, and then I watched uh, The Fugitive from 1993, and this movie fucking rules. Directed by Andrew Davis, our guy from uh, Under Siege last week, I think. And he pulled a lot of the cast from that. We got like Tommy Lee Jones again. Uh, and I said a lot, but I can't remember the other guys' names. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so it's just, it's just a really fucking solid movie. Harrison Ford plays a doctor who, uh, ends up getting blamed for his wife's murder. And when he's on his way to like, after he got sentenced to death row, his like a freak accident happens. So he's able to escape. And so he's like, the whole movie is just him running away from this U.S. Marshals team of like Tommy Lee Jones and Joe Pantoliano and, uh, some other good character actors, uh, while also trying to solve this murder and, like, find the one-armed man who killed his wife. Uh, and yeah, and it just fucking rules. It's so good. Ford and Tommy Lee Jones both have, like, great performances. You love watching them throughout the whole thing. The story, like, stays interesting throughout the whole thing. Like, all the twists and everything are, like, pretty cool. And all the, I don't know, it's just, the ending's a little, uh, not the best once you have, like, everything revealed and and the uh like the final fight isn't like anything to like write home about but you're not really watching this movie for a fight you know and i guess it makes sense that like in a movie called the fugitive the chase would be better than the catch you know but yeah the fugitive 1993 uh fucking four and a half stars this is it's like top tier movie i totally get now why like i feel like this is a movie that is like part of the public consciousness like in a way, like, I have known about this movie and, like, so many things have referenced this movie. Uh, and it makes sense, like, why this would uh, burrow into, like, the zeitgeist the way it seems to have. So now I need to watch U.S. Marshals now, which is, like, about Tommy Lee Jones' team. Apparently it's not as good, and I get it, because you don't have the balance of, like, the whole Harrison Ford part. But, like, the I think they're chasing Wesley Snipes, so it still has to be kind of fun, right? So I'll give that a shot at some point. I think that actually is coming up later in the Action Boys list. Uh, next up is FX <laughs> from 1986. And this is a fucking weird little movie. It's a, uh, so Brian Brown plays this like special effects guy who apparently is like top tier special effects. Uh, <laughs> he's done all these like fake movies uh, that they name and all the names for them are pretty funny. And so he gets contacted by this government agency, the Witness Protection Program, because they want him to like fake a uh, a murder of this mobster in public so that he can uh you know they can like hide him more effectively and so he does he like and he ends up like they end up asking him to be the one to like pull the trigger for some reason and then they try to like kill him and it turns out like oh no like the witness protection agency is like working with this guy and so then it just becomes about him running away and uh uh figure out what's happening and then you also have brian dennehy who plays a uh detective who gets put on the case and he's trying to figure out you know what happened so like they're both working at it from opposite sides uh and it's fun <laughs> it's just kind of fucking silly the special effects stuff he does like isn't too impressive and it's not like it feels like the people who made this movie 
Like, even though they're making a movie, they don't fully understand how making a movie works, which is weird. Like, at the end, whenever, like, he's in the bad guy's house and, like, using his tricks, it just kind of feels like Home Alone <laughs> with all his, like, gags. Uh, yeah. And Brian Dennehy is great in this. I fucking loved every second that Brian Dennehy was on screen. He's just really fun to watch. I need to, like, find more starring role stuff with him. So, yeah. Uh, three and a half stars for FX. A, it's a fun little movie. And then another fun little movie I watched, uh, The Last Dragon from 1985. Uh, and this one's very silly. It's a, uh, it's cool though. It's like, it's about this kid in, uh, in New York, probably Brooklyn or some shit. I don't know. 1985. Uh, and it's this guy, Leroy Green, and he's like obsessed with Bruce Lee movies enough to where like he practices martial arts and like he has like a, a sensei who like sends him on a quest at the beginning and like everybody in town calls him Bruce Leroy. Uh, and he's like trying to find uh, the master so that he can like learn how to do the glow where his whole body glows with like the power of martial arts. <laughs> And he, like, saved the day, and then he ends up getting drawn into, like, this rivalry with this guy named Shonuff, the uh, Shogun of Harlem, played by uh, Julius Carey, who's pretty fun. And then there's this whole other plot of, like, uh, this woman who's, like, a VJ, a video jockey, um, for something, and she's, like, <laughs> uh, I don't know, she ends up, like, meeting Leroy and, like, kind of fall in love, but then there's, like, a whole other plot where, like, this, like, rich businessman wants to, like, get his Cindy Lauper knockoff girlfriend onto, like, this woman's show and, like, kidnaps her to do it. I don't know. It's a bunch of, like, silly 80s bullshit, uh, but it's fun. All the fights are pretty cool, uh, pretty well choreographed. I really like the, like, final battle between Shonuff and Bruce Leroy. Um, they do, like, these rotoscope, like, lightning effects on them, uh, which I think are pretty sweet, and I feel like we should use rotoscope should be used more like i like seeing lightning and glowing effects uh with this like way more than like cgi lightning and stuff like they need to bring it back i'm sure it's much harder to do maybe it's actually easier to do maybe you can do like a cgi like fake version of it but it still like looks the same i don't know i think it looks really cool but yeah 3.5 for this one too the soundtrack is really good there's a lot of like fun like 80s movies uh, uh 80s music like uh like one of the songs for this by uh debarge rhythm of the night actually like became pretty fucking famous from this uh which is cool there's also another song called the glow <laughs> that i really like there's a scene where the vj like makes a video for leroy that's just clips of bruce lee set to this song the glow uh and it's pretty fucking it's pretty cool it's pretty sweet <sighs> Man, I can feel my voice getting tired. I'm not used to talking <laughs> for this long uh, in one go. Well, whatever. We got nine more movies to get through. Uh, next up is Cuffs <laughs> from 1992. And this movie's fucking stupid. It's dumb. Uh, it's a Christian Slater vehicle where he's like this sarcastic kind of like fuck up in San Francisco. And his... He's the younger brother of, of this guy who's like a patrol special policeman, which is this whole thing that they have to explain with like a scroll <laughs> at the beginning of this movie about how in San Francisco, there's like private cops called patrol specials that like control certain neighborhoods and like businesses in the neighborhoods will pay the patrol specials to like cover them. But the patrol specials also still work with the police. It's some weird like archaic grandfathered in thing, which I'm not sure if they still do. Because this movie was fucking 20 years ago now. And yeah, so the older brother dies and so fucking cuffs, uh, 
Christian Slater in, inherits. Oh yeah, Cuffs. It's Cuffs with a K. It's his name. It's not like Cuffs because he's a, a cop, kind of, but also it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he in, inherits this patrol special and he has to become a cop and then like avenge his brother's death and like help the people. I don't know. It's just, it's whatever. It's mostly just for people who like Christian Slater and Christian Slater's fine, but he just doesn't really do it for me, especially not in this. Uh, a lot of the jokes just fall really flat. There's like a running thing about turkeys. There's like a scene where he shows up to like when he first going to go talk to his brother and it's like his brother's birthday and the way that he's going to kind of like grease up his his brother to like cuz he needs he wants to borrow money from him, $4,000. It's like he has a butterball turkey and he's just going to make it for his brother cuz it's his favorite food. And so he shows up to like meet his brother with just like a fucking like a turkey by the store, like all wrapped up. So I guess he's gonna go meet his brother and like, hey, let's go, let's go hang out for like five hours while I put this in the fucking oven. But then of course he like drops it and it gets run over by a truck. It's it's fucking stupid. Also, uh, Mila Jovovich is in this movie playing uh, Cuff's college age girlfriend. But like they say she's in college and she's like pregnant with his baby. But Mila Jovovich is fifteen <laughs> when they made this movie, and like the first scene is her like parading around in her underwear and it's just real fucking weird I, it's just like a, a strange choice that they decided to have this 15 year old in this movie when you didn't need it like i'm sure there are plenty of actually college-aged attractive actresses that they could have found for this i don't know it's just a strange movie so fucking 2.5 stars for cuffs and then went on to a, another stupid movie but in a much more fun way watched uh crank from 2006 with Jason Statham. Uh, yeah, and he's playing uh, Chev Chelios, who, which is, that's a good name, uh, who's like a mob hitman who gets drugged. Like, instead of this other, like, guy who hates him just killing him, he, like, drugs him with this, like, Chinese, like, synthetic drug, is what they call it, like, cocktail that like makes it to where if he doesn't have adrenaline pumping he's gonna die and so the whole movie is just fucking action porn of him running around driving his car through malls and fucking uh trying to keep his heart rate up and also trying to get revenge it's a it's a really dumb time uh it's fun though it's very 2006 uh yeah i don't know i don't feel like i have much to say about it it's a good LA movie. A lot of like driving around LA and they even use like Google Earth shots to like establish where they they are and it's like the actual the actual place they filmed is what they used on the Google Earth, which is cool. They also used a bar in this uh The Prince, which is a bar right by where I used to live in Koreatown and it's also the bar that they use for New Girl. The bar that Nick works at, New Girl, the interior is The Prince, uh, which is pretty fun. I'd recommend going there if you ever come to LA. It's like pretty good like cocktails and like it has like Korean food, uh, which is pretty nice. I've only really had the tofu since it's all I could eat <laughs> when I was there. And the tofu was good. Uh, recommend The Prince and I recommend Crank. It's a fun movie if you like stupid bullshit like this. Three and a half stars. Oh, then I rewatched The Raid so I could listen to the podcast about it. And because when I watched it last year, I feel like I didn't pay enough attention uh, to the fights. I'm pretty sure I even said that in the review. Um, and you know, this, it's still a fucking four star, great shit, amazing action. The fights are cool as fuck. I don't really have much to add. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and then I watched Forced Vengeance from 1982. It's a uh, Chuck Norris movie. It's like kind of his attempt at like a fucking crime noir story set in hong kong doesn't quite uh, achieve that but it's kind of fun the premise is like so fucking convoluted that i cannot even remember it's like he 
is a soldier who um who was in vietnam and like they like had some time off in hong kong and he ends up getting into a fight in this casino and he ends up like befriending the old jewish owner of the casino and like they kind of like adopts him even though he's a grown man and so he ends up like staying in hong kong uh and working for this guy at the casino and then there's like this whole like rivalry with another casino and they kill his like <laughs> the old man and that's what the whole vengeance thing is like they kill the old man and his like son his like actual son who's like half chinese then chuck norris has to like protect the sister who's like the last heir of this and then the most of the movie is him running around with the sister and also his girlfriend around hong kong uh and it's fine <laughs> um chuck almost has a personality in this uh which is nice but they still they still use a lot of like voiceover because he can't like really emote uh things also the uh the fights are pretty cool in this though they're it's you know solid fucking martial arts shit they start the movie actually with the coolest fight like this fight doesn't happen until like halfway or two-thirds into the movie but it's like a shot of like this giant neon sign with these stairs in front of it and so like, the fight is like all in silhouette like chuck fighting this dude while like the two uh women watch him and they definitely like knew what they had with this shot and that's why they <laughs> used it for the beginning of the movie for the credits and there's also they show it again at the end credits for like a freeze frame so that's pretty cool and this is an, another movie where they used a uh, setting that I'm familiar with. They used, they film a lot, a good amount of it in Hong Kong. But for one part where Chuck has to get information from this like woman who runs a, a brothel, hey, they go to her apartment. And the building they use for her apartments is the Nirvana Apartments in Hollywood, which is a place that I've been to a lot because it's right by the Magic Castle. And the Magic Castle actually rents out uh, six of the rooms there for like the magicians when they come and perform at the castle they usually do a week of shows and so we'll put them up in the apartment for a week and so every monday we used to have to go and like change out the sheets and like stock it with whatever for all these magicians um and i i wouldn't have even noticed but one of the imdb trivia like points out that they used the nirvana so i went back and like watched that scene and like watched them go through the hallway and it's like so weird to like see this like hallway that i've walked through hundreds of times uh you know back in 1982 what it looked like and it was pretty cool it's a part of the job i like totally fucking forgot about too i like have not thought about uh setting up rooms with the nirvana probably since i got fired <laughs> um yeah so that, that was a fun little little tidbit there but yeah so forced vengeance uh three stars it's fine <laughs> um not the chuck norris movie i'd recommend of the very few that i've watched so far and then i watched the first two uh fallen movies has fallen <laughs> olympus has fallen and london has fallen and these are a lot cooler than i thought they were gonna be uh way more fucking intense and effective and i thought they'd be like so the first one you know is about the white house being taken over and you got gerard butler as like the secret service agent and aaron eckhart as the president and they do a pretty effective job of like making you attached like starting out with this scene at like christmas at camp david and you got like the president and the first lady and like their kid and like how showing how fucking gerard butler is like real like friendly with them <laughs> and then uh they're like leaving Camp David and there's an accident and like the first lady dies in this fucking car crash as it like falls off a, a bridge. Then we like jump two years and uh, Gerard Butler is now working for the treasury office and the president is like having a delegate from fucking South Korea over. And then all of a sudden the White House gets attacked by all these like terrorists who are 
not really associated with North Korea, but they're, like, fighting to, like, get uh, the DMZ, like, cleared and, like, pulled back so that, like, North Korea can, uh, so, like, the Korean War can, like, happen and they can unify Korea. And you got Rick Yoon from uh, Die Another Day as the main bad guy, and it's pretty cool. He's fucking great. He doesn't look like he fucking aged a day between those two movies. He really should be in more things. He, like, just has, like, a great look. And I just, I like watching him act. And yeah, according to Letterboxd, he's only been in 12 movies. That's fucking wild. And yeah, so this whole like fucking insane assault on the White House starts happening. And it's like way heavier than I was expecting. Like they like attack all of Washington, D.C. They're like killing tourists and they kill like everyone in the White House pretty much except for like the group that gets down into the bunker. And um, yeah, it's just heavy shit. And the whole time I was watching it though, there was a part of me that was like, we 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 kind of deserve something like this to happen to us i think you know with what america has done uh to the rest of the fucking world it's like crazy that no one's like tried something like this maybe our fucking defense budget is that good i don't fucking know <laughs> those thoughts uh that we like kind of deserve it reminded me of middle school when i was super into fucking raging against the machine and like i was like starting to go on like raging machine like message boards and i got really into like communist uh like ideals as much as a 12 year old or 13 year old can i wish i kind of like had stayed that radical my whole life um yeah because i was doing like weird shit like i would like write commie on a piece of paper and like tape it to my pants to like say that i was a commie and i like wrote on a hat there's like you know that all your base are belong to us like the real old school fucking like internet joke shit there's like one part in all your base are belong to us where all your base belong to us where one of the guys says somebody set us up the bomb and i wrote that on a hat because if you say the words backwards it says bomb the u.s upset somebody and i was like my like radical like going to school with this like hat that like says that we should fucking like attack america and it's also weird like thinking about this now i was like <laughs> thinking about this and like saying that, like the u.s should be bombed for its like practices this was like 2003 this is like right after 9-11. So it, it's, and I had just moved to Hawaii from Texas. So it's, it's pretty weird that I was like that leftist that early. Huh. I wish I could remember my life better so I could like actually analyze, uh, you know, how I got to be who I am. Anyways, <laughs> Olympus has fallen and London has fallen. There's not really much else to say like story-wise. Like it's just some really fucking great action and Gerard Butler is good, looks good doing the action. Uh, the assault on London also is pretty cool um speaking of politics though it gets a little too jingoistic towards like the end of london has fallen like because it's like london has been attacked because america did a drone strike on a wedding and the arms dealer that they were trying to kill doesn't fucking die and so he sets up this whole plan that takes him two years to plan like this attack on london uh where they kill like every world leader of like the western world except for america and i think one other that i can't remember right now yeah so that like ends with gerard butler like as he kills the last terrorist like giving this speech about like how oh, you guys all want us to die but we're gonna be here we'll be here in a thousand years we'll still fucking be here and it's just funny to like see gerard butler the scottish actor or whatever the fuck he is um give this real nationalistic uh uh speech it also ends with like them drone striking the guy again i don't know i'm not gonna i'm not too stoked <laughs> on a american drone strike ending uh but overall as action movies the fallen series these two are fucking great it's really fun cool action to watch uh i still gotta watch angel has fallen at some point and there's gonna be another one coming out 
at some point called Night Has Fallen. Uh, so that's fun. Did I say 3.5 stars for both? 3.5 stars for both of these. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I watched The Glimmer Man from 1996 uh, with Steven Seagal and Keenan Ivory Waynes. And this movie is just more fucking Seagal nonsense. This is like Seagal, his peak Seagal. He's playing like eight different ethnicities with like four different paths. And he wears beads and like <laughs> fucking uh, speaks Chinese and does all this like goofy shit. And then the plot is like so convoluted that I, I literally listened. I watched this movie uh, two days ago and... Today, I listened to the Action Boys two-hour podcast where, like, an Action Boys, like, and their podcasts, like, they're are usually, like, an hour and a half to two to, like, three hours even. Like, the newer ones are, like, three hours. And they, like, meticulously go through the plot of all these movies. I listened to that today, and I still cannot tell you what the fuck was going on in this movie. There's, like, a serial killer who is, like, also involved with, like, a corporate hit thing that's happening. For, I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> It's just, uh, it's real fucking stupid. They really thought they were doing something with all these, like, Catholic imagery of, like, the serial killer, the family man, like, crucifying people. I don't know. It's just fucking ridiculous. And it's an L.A. movie, but it's not a good L.A. movie. It's, like, raining (laughs) the whole time. And they try to justify it by saying, this is the wettest winter we've ever had here in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Apparently for this movie, uh, Steven Seagal, like, was getting more into his, like, Buddhist, uh, stuff. Which I don't even want to, I don't fucking really believe that Steven Skull gives a shit about Buddhism but I guess he like wanted his character to be more of a pacifist and so he tried to like fight for a scene to for him to like not kill the uh the serial killer the family man uh played by uh Steven Tobolowsky who he's great he's like a really good character actor so it was fun to see him in this but like he fought to like have him not kill this serial killer because he's a pacifist and it's weird that he fought for this because he kills so many other people in this movie there's a part where he like fakes out these guys and says he's gonna like pay them off to like not attack them so he pulls out a credit card but there's a razor blade hidden in the credit card and then he uses it to slice like four guys throats <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous brian cox is in this too like playing this uh, fucking government agent who used to like be in charge of Steven Seagal back in like Nam, which and he explains why this movie is called The Glimmer Man. It's because he was so silent in the jungle that he can like sneak around. You wouldn't hear a thing. You just see a glimmer from like his gun or something, and then you'd be dead. And it's like so funny that they gave this like backstory and made it the title of the movie whenever Steven Seagal doesn't use stealth once in this whole fucking thing. It's ridiculous. And then, that, like, they don't give Keenan and Ivory Waynes enough to do, and, like, they don't really know what's going on with it. It's just, it's a mess. <laughs> Fucking two stars for the Glimmer Man. It's kind of funny to watch, but it is, it is not a good movie. Um, let's see. And I rewatched Going to the Barbarian because it was in the list, and I wanted to refresh myself. And I fucking, I still love it. It's still a great movie. Uh, Sandal Bergman is still, like, my dream woman. Uh, yeah, it's just a fun time. And I, I watched it, I, I watched the uh, Monster Vision version of this with a joe bob briggs hosting it's like from tnt back in like the early 90s which is kind of fun to watch these segments because it was like part of joe bob's summer school (laughs) where all of the like segments where he normally just talks about the movie are like school themed and since this is Conan the barbarian it's like a pe theme theme and they bring in this uh woman karen voigt i think her name was uh and she like makes like those fitness like aerobics videos from like the 90s like yoga sculpt and stuff like that and so like all of the parts are like joe bob like a young 
probably like 30s joe bob like her like teaching him how to do squats and like him like using an ab roller it's just it's silly uh but yeah so that was fun so you know conan four star great movie um and then finally last movie of the week uh i watched double impact from 1991 where we get not one but two jean-claude van dams in this uh and the premise of this is like real weird like they're the twin sons of uh this like rich couple in hong kong another hong kong movie where they like helped build this tunnel and because like some like money thing with the tunnel they get killed and like the babies are supposed to also be killed uh but they don't like the nanny runs away with one of the kids and then like the head security guard uh for this family played by jeffrey lewis and he's actually fun in this movie i like him in this he runs away with the other kid <laughs> and they get like raised separately and then we jump to like 25 years later where they're both Jean-Claude Van Damme now and the movie goes out of the way to explain why they both have French accents which I think is pretty funny the like the son who stays in Hong Kong he like gets dropped off at a French orphanage and then he like becomes like a crime guy in Hong Kong and then the other kid uh he brings him to France and like raises him in France though this is the one with the security guard and then they end up in Hollywood where they like run a combination ballet studio slash karate class uh dojo which is funny and it's like i like the intro for this uh um for this version of jean-claude because he's like teaching this woman how to stretch and like there's like a pretty gratuitous shot of like her stretching him like helping her stretch and so you think it's going to be about like objectifying the woman in the scene but then it like immediately goes to like jean-claude like showing them how to stretch and then like doing the splits and then like putting his ass just like right in the screen uh <laughs> uh i don't know it was just funny and then fucking the, there's the, like his like uncle frank the guy's been taking care of him like finds a picture of the other son he like sent out a pi to find the picture and then like he takes hollywood van damme to go to hong kong to find hong kong van damme so they can like get the rights back to the bridge i don't know how this works or like I guess that's like part of their if they can prove it's them it's like their inheritance which means they get like the profits from like using this tunnel I call it a bridge it's a tunnel I don't know it's like the justification is flimsy and then it's just about them like running around after this like white businessman and like Chinese mob leader uh and you know whatever the plots whatever the fights are still pretty fun and it's also fun like watching how they do the uh <laughs> the shots with two van dams in one shot like some of them it's obviously like kind of a split screen deal but then other ones like where they try to make them closer they like kind of do this like rotoscoping thing over like another and like cut them out and like put them over the other one and then there's a lot of like body double shots of like shots from like behind the head of like one of the twins as like the as like jean claude like does like the other. i don't know it's fun and like mostly it works like it doesn't like it only looks silly a couple times and like the body the body doubles they use are actually like pretty good so that never really stands out it's just i was like really looking for it but i think if i would have just sat back and like <laughs> enjoyed it i wouldn't have noticed as much um so yeah double impact uh three and a half stars it's a it's a fun movie yeah that's it for uh for this week's uh consumption uh man i gotta like start singing in the car or something like warming up my voice i'm like not used to this um yeah all right that's it for for this week of consume i've been burnt olivier at burnt zora on everything if you have any questions uh comments or recommendations uh hit me up uh but until next week it's time i disappear